My name's Will Ashen from Big Dada and I'm hosting the Ninja Tune podcast and I'm going to be speaking to Doby about his long and very amazing career in music and also his new album, We Will Not Harm You. As well as hearing music from that album, we'll be hearing five tracks that influence Doby and lots more music from Ninja Tune and Big Dada. So I'm very pleased to be sitting here with Tony Campbell, a.k.a. Dobie, a man with an incredible CV and history in British music, going right back to the early days with NSO Force and then Soul to Soul and heaps of other people, some of whom we'll be talking about in a little while, uh, as well as talking about his new album for Big Dada, We Will Not Harm You. Let's start off by talking about your album. Tell me a little bit about um, what you've been trying to do with, with the new record and how you came to put it together. Um, just trying to go somewhere else with it, really, you know, because like when I did this album, I decided like, you know what, I'm just going to cut off, disappear and just get lost in the music and let, let what come out, come out. You know, I had a pretty crazy process. I was like waking up, at, instead of staying up late, I'd wake up early, like at like four in the morning, maybe go for a bike ride and start working then and stuff. And I just kind of just fell into a crazy kind of routine mm. with it. Yeah, just trying to go somewhere else, you know, like I didn't listen to much music when I was making the album, you know, just kind of shut off from everything that was coming out and around me at the time, you know, just kind of let what come out, come out, <laughs> basically. <laughs>
Over the years, you've produced and worked with a lot of other people. Um, so was was working on your own a very different experience? Yeah, um, especially on this album because I did it totally on my own. There was no other like other people that I worked with apart from Eclectic from the, the Hicks. She worked on a couple of tracks, but yeah, it's just a discipline thing, you know, like head down, got to get it done. You know, it's quite easy to just drift off. When you go, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, and something that you say you do tomorrow, you end up doing two weeks later. So, kind of had to rail myself in and just kind of like, okay, get focused, get on with it, get it done, you know? So, yeah, and like, you know, when you're working with other people, yeah, yeah you're, you're holding the reins a little piece, but you know, there was no one holding my reins apart from me, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was kind of like, I enjoyed it, you know, and like I say, at times you do kind of waver, you know, you do hit walls. I remember I hit a wall for about three weeks. And the thing that brought me out of it was um, the Visions tune that you sent me, that you put out on Big Dada. That was kind of like, okay, yeah, that kind of inspired me and got me going again. You know, funny little things would inspire me. Like I'd be walking down the street and um, I'd see a billboard. You know, like one example was um, for a track on, there's a track on the album called um, Stanley is a hero of mine. And I remember I was walking down the back of Dalston and there was a massive billboard for the, the film, X-Men First Class. And like, I, was, I was a big comic reader as a kid. And I kind of looked at the billboard and just went, yeah, Stan Lee's a hero of mine. Yeah, for real. And then that sparked the track. Do you know, that gave me, yeah, I can make the track go like this way, go that way, do you know? You know, just like crazy little things. <laughs> your background and what you're probably best known for is is, is is your work within the field of hip-hop and soul maybe more generally I mean the, the sound of this album is I'd say is, is considerably more varied than that how would you describe the, the the music that you've made for this record raw um, gumbo music you know I listen to a lot of different music so I suppose I'm influenced by a lot of different things you know and just, you know, um, yeah, just raw gumbo, you know, stew, you know, just beats. And trying to go a different way kind of with the, with the drums, you know, as well. Sound a bit more live and stuff like that. Yeah, just, just raw, in your face, <laughs> gutter. <laughs> but um, sweet at the same time, gentle, you know, kind of thing. The rough with the smooth, I'd call it. For people who don't know, I'd like to talk a little bit about, about your, your history in British music. 
I could tell everyone, or I could just ask you to, to talk people through your background and how you got into hip hop and how you got into DJing and production. I've always been around music ever since I was a kid. You know, I always used to listen to the radio. My dad was a carpenter, you know, by trade, and he, you know, his little sideline on the weekends was speaking, building speaker cabs for the various sound systems at that time, you know, for his generation. Most been playing more like Blue Beat and Scar and stuff like that. You know, so music's always been there, you know. I was a big listener of John Peel when I was a kid because, you know, TV would end at like 12, you know, or like 10.30 or something silly like that. And the only thing that was on was like John Peel. So I just used to listen to him. And then um, when, it really, when I really got into it was through getting into hip-hop. You know, when hip-hop came to England, and not just hip-hop, also all the electronic music that was coming out at that time. Visage... Um, you had New Order and acts like that. And they were kind of traveling the same path because hip hop then was very electro. So both of them appealed to me, the sound appealed to me, you know? And you know, and seeing things like the Buffalo Girls video, that's what made me want to get turntables, get decks and do the DJ thing, you know? So yeah, and then it just went from there. And I, you know, I got my first set of decks, took me ages to save up for them. And it was literally just a bedroom DJ just learning how to cut, learning how to scratch and stuff like that and hanging out in record shops like Groove Records and things like that and Hitman, getting all the latest releases. Started playing out and stuff and then, you know, hooked up with other heads. Like I hooked up with our Melody, Dougie and we started NSO Force. I think that was like, like 88, 89 or something like that. You know, got introduced to Soul to Soul by a friend and started hanging out with, uh, with the sound and stuff like that. Came with the sound boy carrying speaker boxes and stuff like that. And then um, Jazzy got signed to um, Virgin. You know, and him and Nelly set up like the production team, Silent Productions. And Jazzy said to me, because Jazzy knew I was already playing with like drum machines and stuff like that. And he goes, look, I want you to come and work with me and Nelly in the studio. And so we just started doing the soul to soul thing, you know a cut on the first album and then got more involved on the, on the second album and all the singles that came after that first album you know back to life get a life dreams a dream and all the remixes we were doing family stand go heaven um we did two for family stand actually there's another one called sweet liberation then what else did we do sinead o'connor fine young cannibals and stuff you know as well as doing all the soul to soul stuff me and Howie, Howie B was engineering for Soul to Soul at the time. You know, a lot of these cats met, met at um, Africa Centre, which was the club Soul to Soul used to do in Covent Garden. And that's how a lot of people, you know, met. From the Simon Laws to the Howie Bs, they already knew of Wild Bunch, Nelly and them cats, because they'd done, you know, the odd jam with them. Yeah, and, you know, the Barry Sharps of this world used to be in there, the Paul Andersons. You know, a lot of people kind of hooked up there at that time. You know, like-minded people basically, you know. So, you know, did the soul to soul thing, then me and Howie kind of broke away and, um, we did an album for Ireland. We started up the Nomad Soul thing, was doing the remixes and stuff like that, and did an album for Ireland. Then we went our separate ways. 
and then when you know we hooked up a few years later when how he started pussyfoot and um i did an album there for pussyfoot and stuff and you know and just people started to come to me for remixes and stuff i've never really gone out looking you know and i've hardly ever had management or anything like that things just seemed to come people were hearing what stuff that i was doing and then you know okay you know we're looking for a remix would you like to remix this would you like to remix that as well as doing stuff with just friends you know dominant force guys still doing stuff with the grave guys and mighty ethnics and stuff like that you know friends would just come to me oh can you do some beats and stuff like that I went yeah okay or can you do some cuts on the record you know just just doing you know just generally just just doing you know and I'm kind of I'm here now <laughs> hasn't stopped Another set of people, or another person you're, you're kind of renowned for working with, is Rodney P in L London Posse. Um, and I highly recommend anyone out there who's not seen the video for How's Life in London to go and check it on YouTube and try and spot Dobie pulling his best his best ghost dog pose in the background. It's, it's an absolute classic. So, so tell me how you hooked up with London Posse and, and Rodney P, who you've obviously worked with over the years again and again. I've always been a London Posse fan. Do you know? There was that point in UK hip-hop where it didn't really have its own identity. Everyone was trying to be, you know, a bit American. That was their influence. And cats like the London Posse, um, MC Mello, the Demon Boys, they gave it that London rude boy twang. We got a very, you know, big reggae music culture over here. They brought that into it, you know, which is like between that and like the, the London kind of Cockney thing, it's like, yeah, that's us, that's our style. So I've always kind of been a fan of them and like, um, when me and Harry were assigned to Ireland doing the Nomad Soul thing, London Posse was signed to Mango. I didn't really know the guys then, like we'd see each other out and about and stuff and be like, all right, hi, how are you doing? But when they was, when we were at Ireland and they were on Mango, they asked us to remix, and Harry to remix Jump Around. And we went, yeah, cool. And um, what happened was, we was in one day in the studio laying down the backing track and you know, the guys came in. They came down to hear what was going on. 
loved it and they said yeah we want to revoice it you know we're going to try and redo a proper revoice and, and then it just built from there and then you know they would come back to me and say yeah can you, you got we you know we're doing a new record you got any beats and stuff like that you know so those would come and check me for beats and stuff and then you know they had their little part of the ways london posse and stuff and i was still talking to rodney and um just when i did the record with pussyfoot before i did the album i did a, a, a ep and like i had this beat and like rodney just came to mind you know i hadn't seen him in a little while and i just rung him up and goes look i'm got this beat, I think you'd sound good on it, do you want to come and voice it for me? And he just said, yeah, he came around, heard the beat, took a copy of it, and like a few days later he was in the studio. That was a good one though, because we like, we laid that vocal in like, it's got to be the fastest vocal I've ever laid, half an hour. Two takes on the lead, and BVs, done. Yeah, like second take, yeah, we got it, we the BVs. You know, so it's all, you know, we've always had this working relationship and stuff and you know he always comes and checks me for beats and stuff like that we're going to be doing some stuff for his new project on true thoughts so you know he was with me um last week we're just sitting down discussing it and stuff like that so hopefully in the next week or so we're going to hook up and start putting some ideas down for that but yeah man i've known them guys a long time we just had a lot of fun with london Posse. crazy guy and bull as well that whole little camp it was like rodney bionic bull was managing them Elvis, one of the Grove guys, was kind of like Paul's assistant. Good times. Going back to the album, which I think I've already said is called We Will Not Harm You. Pick out a track for me that, that you're particularly pleased with and, and, and happy with and tell, tell us a little bit about it. Um, that's a hard one because I'm happy with all of them. The chant, I like a lot. I love that. It's just it's, it's moody, kind of ghosty, you know, kind of goes a bit broken beat towards the end. Stan Lee, just hard driving you know, slightly jazzy, kind of left the centre, you know. Um, then I woke up, it's like a dream track, you know. It's like you're in a dream, you know, especially when you get to the end and there's this big kind of sound, it sounds like someone's yawning, it's, you know, it's one of those tracks like, oh, I'm in a dream and then you hear the yawns like, yeah, I've woken up now, kind of, <laughs> thing, kind of takes you out of it. Somewhere over there, nice, strings, love strings. Yeah, real nice, atmospheric. You know, like last time I listened to the album, you know, kind of sounds a bit um outerworldly. Yeah, and I'm happy it doesn't sound like anything else out there at the moment. Do you know? 
in a funny kind of way. I want people to be like, what the fuck's going on there? Do you know what I'm saying? I think if I get that reaction, I think, yeah, cool, I'm like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So another thing I wanted to ask you about is is, is the art for the record. Um, uh, it, it's it's a really big deal for us at, at the label. We've got a a, a a painting, an original painting done by Chris Afili, the the Turner Prize winning artist, especially for your release. Um, so tell me a bit about how that came about because it certainly wasn't anything to do with us. I've known Chris a while now, you know. I met him just before he um, won the Turner Prize. I was introduced to him by Attica Blues, you know, and he's like, he's just a really cool guy, you know. He is cool. He sound Chris, you know, and I was just like thinking about it, like cover art, who's gonna do what and whatever. And then um, I said, yeah, we just ask Chris, you know. And I remember like, well, you said to me before, yeah, you wanted, to, you know, you tried to get him to do stuff before or Ninja had, and it hadn't quite worked out, you know. And I said, oh, I know him. <laughs> I know Chris, so let me just reach out to him. And uh, yeah, he came through. I didn't think he was going to come through, do you know? You know, because I'm the kind of like, for me, it's kind of like, okay, let's go. Let's do it now. Let's get it done. Do you get what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I guess I'm just rushing, do you know? You know and like, um, he said, Chris, like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah, and I didn't know what kind of workload he was under. I didn't know he was doing a big, massive ballet project, you know? So I'm like, where is he? Chris, come on, man, you're coming through, you're coming through. And it's just like, yeah, and he came through. I just had to stay on him, you know? And it, I'm really happy he did, and I really like what he done. You know, the painting of the two guys sitting at the table having a drink, it's just, it's peaceful, you know? It's a peaceful image, and you know, the title of the album, We Will Not Harm You and stuff like that. So, you know, it's really cool. I want to do some more stuff with him. I've got a wicked idea for a project, you know? And like, it sounds like he's into it. I think he's just tired now and he's just resting. He's had a, like a stressful you know, year and a half, two years doing that big project and then me rushing him to get my thing done and stuff. But yeah, I've got an idea for a project like um, Draw Sound. It's a bit of software I got, it's like a sound design and it's, it's like Photoshop, basically. So I want to give it to him and go, look, just draw images. These images you draw will create sounds which we can then go use to make a record, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, I really want to do that. But yeah, Chris is sound, man, he's a sound guy, busy guy, I mean, I'm grateful that he came through.
So now we're going to talk about some records that influenced you and, and, and what you're all about. Um, so lead us off with the first of those records, please. All right, the first of those records is going to be Jean-Michel Jarre, Oxygen, which was the first record I ever brought as a kid. Pestering my dad to get me that record. And for me, it just jumped out because it just sounded different from everything else. All space age and, and sci-fi, and I like sci-fi. Yeah, and like, yeah, it just had me. It just had me in a bit of a zone because it was just, it just stood out. You know, different sounds, you know, all the electronics and stuff like that. Okay, let's hear a little bit of Oxygen by Jean-Michel Jarre. That was Oxygen by Jean Mitchell Jar, otherwise known as Jean-Michel Jarre. Uh, and now on to the second one. Um, second record I ever brought was Space Space by Slick. Disco baby, disco, disco, disco. Loved it as a kid. And, that, and at the same time, the whole disco thing was just kicking off in England over here. You know, they just have the disco dancing competitions on TV and stuff like that. Yeah, I just liked it, liked the energy of it, liked the vibe. Slick, space base, and now it's time for the next one. Okay, getting into album territory now. Um, things get a little bit deeper here now. Um, big album for me, Remaining Light, um, Talking Heads, produced by Brian Eno. Amazing, amazing, amazing record, amazing producer. You know, 
smoked many a bong to that album. <laughs> and, um, you know, just... Just had... Oh, how can I put it? It was just out there. It's different, you know? And skating around London, listening to that. You know, you just Sony Walkman blasting in your headphones, had it on repeat. Just a beautiful album, really. Any particular track? Oh, God, there's so many to choose from. Um, let's... Born Under Punches. Let's hear Born Under Punches by Talking Heads. Punches by Talking Heads, and we have Dobie's next influential track coming up. Okay, next influential album. Around this came, I think it came out roughly around the same time as the Talking Heads album. With, um, Grace Jones nightclubbing, wicked, 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 wicked. Sly and Robbie on the production, crazy Grace Jones on vocals. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that made it for me with that album it had a little reggae vibe to it. You know, and that wasn't really happening then. It was like either hardcore reggae. There was no one kind of mixing the kind of reggae and the, and the funk thing and the soul thing. Loved it. Another one, like, skating around town in headphones. Had the album on repeat. And the track from that in particular? Let's go with Feel Up. This is Feel Up by Grace Jones. Grace Jones with Feel Up and we're moving on to our next influential track from Tony Campbell aka Dobie. Okay, the last influential track or should say album that started everything off for me and getting into DJing, beat making, which led into remixes and production and you know and making my own records was Duck Rock, Supreme Team and Malcolm McLaren. That's the one that made me say, yeah, I want some turntables. I want a mixer. I want to do what them guys are doing. <laughs> you know, and then like I say, seeing all the breaking in the videos, the graph. Yeah, it just kind of just hit me and it still holds me to this day. And which track are you going to pick from Duck Rock? I think it might be called World Famous. And here's a track off the Duck Rock album. This is called World Famous. And here it is. I um, am bringing the organ. 
So one other thing I quickly wanted to touch upon was um, that as well as your background in music and production and DJing, you've also had a kind of parallel career, I guess, where uh, for a number of years you were a skate photographer working for Rad Magazine in particular, although for other places as well. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how the skating part of your life ties in with the music part of your life, how the two parts fit together. How do they really fit together? I don't know if they do. It's just like, I was just into... You know, I was into skating, you know, from when I was a young age, you know, and like you meet loads of different people, loads of different backgrounds and stuff like that. And yeah, everyone's into music, you know, and the skating also opened opened me up to a lot of different musics because, you know, there's me into the, the soul and the funk and the reggae thing. And then my other mate, his thing was like Hawkwind. Do you get what I'm saying? So I got exposed to that. And then another mate, his thing was the whole Japan new romantic thing. You know, so I got exposed to stuff there. You know, and like, you know, we always just have a boogie box with us and everyone would just bring their tapes and put them in. But none of them were really into the hip hop thing. You know, that's why I used to go like, you know, I'd be over South Bank skating and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to have a comic garden to watch the break because I'll be back later. You know, they just wasn't into hip hop. They're all into hip hop now, you know, and stuff. So I don't know if there really, there is a connection and there isn't a connection, if you get what I'm saying, kind of thing, you know? But yeah, skating, you know, it's big for me, still is, you know? I'm not skating as much, but made a lot of good friends through skating. And, you know, and we, you know, they're still friends now. We still talk now, we still see each other now, you know? She's a good thing. Yeah. And what was it you liked about skating? What was it that appealed to you about it when, when, when you got into that? Initially, when I first saw a skateboard, is that I could roll down the street on this little bit of wood with four wheels and it could go fast. <laughs> and it felt good. You know, it just it's just a it's a feel-good vibe. It's just fun. A lot of fun, you know, and it took me around the world from a young age. You know, because we was always going to like competitions here up and down England. And then we go to a competition in France and we might go to a competition in Germany. And just like a good crew of friends, you know, real tight crew of friends. Like brothers, really. Well, it's been lovely chatting to you as ever, Tony. Thank you very much for that. And be sure to check out Dobie's new album, We Will Not Harm You, coming out on Big Dada.
And now we're going to listen to some upcoming tracks from Ninja Tune and Big Dada. And to start us off, we've got Faulty DL with She Sleeps, which features a vocal from Ed McFarlane from The Friendly Fires. She Sleeps from Faulty DL, and that's on Ninja Tune. And this number is Natural by the one, the only, Roots Maneuver. And this is on Big Dada and Banana Clan, of course. It comes to me natural, it comes to me easy. Some say I'm romantic, and some say I'm sleazy. It comes to me natural, it comes to me easy. Some say I'm romantic, and some say I'm sleazy. Well, they call me Mr. K.O. when I step up on the mic. The kind of guy that you would like, like up in your life The kind of hype the better than the rest could ever be I do my thing and people can like really hear the beats And when you hear the beats, the rhymes, the rhymes, they are equipped I come and do my thing and when I'm coming off the hip The hip into the hop and back and back and once again my friend And this is how we do it when we mix and blend and change the blend And when I cop it down, it's hot stepping now We step across the whole the planet and the Mars is out It comes to me natural, it comes to me easy So say I that was natural by Roots Maneuver featuring the mighty Cope, Daddy Cope, sharing microphone duties there with the one and only Roots Maneuver. That is on Big Dada. Coming up now, we've got Hardcore Lover by The Bug, aka Kevin Martin, and it's featuring Warrior Queen, the fantastic Warrior Queen, who I think 
maybe more will be heard from soon and it's on ninja tune because you're listening to the ninja tune podcast so that makes sense Hardcore Lover featuring Warrior Queen by The Bug on Ninja Tune. Now we have a track from France from a Parisian duo called Vision. The track is Vortex and this is on Big Dada. Vortex by Vision from the Life EP coming out very soon on Big Dada. And that's your lot for this, not week, but time, this length of time until the next one, if you see what I mean. Uh, This is Will from Big Dada presenting the Ninja Tune podcast. It's been great fun for me anyway, if not for you. Uh, Thanks to Dobie um, and of course the mighty DK for all his hard work. Thanks very much for listening. All the best, toodle pip!